If your job is on life support, you need the job doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from the job doctor. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of The Job Doctor. I am so excited for today's episode. Have you ever wondered how you get your resume actually noticed by a real human being? Well, today, that is the topic of our episode. Bernie, welcome to the show. Hi, Tessa. Thanks for having me. I am uh, trying to get some help. Uh, I need to find a job, and I understand that you may be able to help me out with that. Oh, you are not alone, my friend. Well, tell me just a little bit more about you. What's your industry, Bernie? So I currently work in the events industry right now. I've been uh, for about the last eight years working for a small company that puts on um, educational conferences, if you will, in the IT industry. All right. My role is is essentially a marketing type position. I work in in outreach, partnership development, building audiences for the conferences um, and and all those kind of fun stuffs. Uh, And then I uh, manage the events on the day of. The last two years, obviously, has been a challenge in the events industry. Sure, it has. COVID. We moved our events online uh, for two years, and then we're uh, just launching back to the in-person model here recently. Um, But the company I'm with has pretty much uh, lost. We've lost so many uh, staff members. We're, We're down to just three employees. I'm one of three remaining. And I have no upward mobility. I have no room for growth at all. Um, I don't know if the company is going to even hang on to the end of the year, to be honest. Mm, and I yeah. am uh, in needing a new challenge at this point. So okay. that's kind of where I'm at now. Well, I will say this before I teach you how to get another job, you have tremendous leverage. I'm going to just bring that up because a lot of people don't understand what leverage is and what it can do for them. You know, leverage is that you have what the company needs. You have something they need and you have more leverage when you have gotten outcomes for the company, but you also get leverage when there's a scarcity of people, resources, or you're one of the few people that knows how to do a particular something. So with three people left, I'm just going to throw it out there. You have tremendous leverage to make more money with this company if it's a place you want to stay. Is it a place you would ever conceivably want to stay? Uh, Not a chance. Not a chance. I have have absolutely no desire to continue to work there. The owner of the company is just a very difficult person to function with. Um, He's he's had some health issues and I am beyond unhappy and and very uh, emotionally distraught having to continue to work. Well, I'm going to take you to your word then. We're going to say bye-bye. Let's talk about what, what have you done so far? What are you finding is getting in your way in the job search? The biggest challenge I'm having is getting people to respond. <laughs> um, so I've been using a lot of the typical methods to apply for jobs. LinkedIn and Indeed are, are sure. very well organized. Mm-hmm. And I apply for as many jobs in both those sites. I go to direct to company websites and, and you know submit applications for a myriad of different types of companies that I feel I would enjoy working for mm-hmm. or could be a good fit. Where I'm having difficulties is so many of these applications now, whether it's on it on Indeed or through a company's own website, um, it's some computer looking at my resume. Mm-hmm. And the amount of automated emails I get back from, you know, do not reply at nestle.com or whatever company, 
that will say, we regret to inform you we've gone in another direction. Some of those I get within a half an hour of putting in an application. Yes. And, you know, the, the instincts that I have historically of, hey, let's, let's send in the application and then 48 hours later, I'll call the hiring manager. It's too They'll, late. Yeah, it's mm. the, the process is completely different and I'm just struggling to get responses. And when I do reach out directly to HR people or hiring managers, maybe in smaller companies, I oftentimes don't get any responses. And I, I have my spreadsheet built out where I, I'm looking at, okay, it's been two weeks since I've pestered them. Let me, let me call them again or email them again. And uh, it's just a kind of repetitive cycle that um, of no response and no mm-hmm. progress. And I don't really know where to go. Well, let's let's pick apart ATSs. And for those who don't know what an ATS is, that is the system where you apply online. It goes through what's called an applicant tracking system, ATS. Let's understand those first. And to be honest, Bernie, I didn't understand them until I had to implement them for a company. That's what made me finally figure out what is wrong with them and how you get through them. So first things first, let's talk about your resume. If your resume is drafted in Canva, for instance, that looks really pretty, but has multiple columns, it's going to come across wonky and it's going to hurt you. So Mm -hmm. that's number one. But the biggest thing is these ATSs have this artificial intelligence built in based on keywords in a job description. So you may use events planner in your job description, but the company used something else. They, you know, maybe it's customer experience implementer or something. But when it goes through the ATS, it looks for keywords. And if it doesn't find enough, you get deep sexed and nobody ever sees it. No human being. But if the right words exist, it ranks you one of the top people. And then it goes to somebody's desk to look at. So we need to outsmart that, that logic. What I want you to do, have you ever heard of a word cloud generator? Um, I've heard people tell me about those, but uh, I'm all ears. Okay. A word cloud generator is a big word, but you can Google it. When you go Google Word Cloud Generator, you have all these free apps you can use. Just pick one. I want you to cut and paste your resume into the Word Cloud Generator, and it creates a word picture. And the bigger words that you use the most frequently pop out, and they show you what you use. Do the same thing for the job description, cut and paste, and see what sticks out. And it's a simple exercise of tweaking to make sure that the keywords are matched. Because keyword matches rank your resume in an ATS. So try that trick for every single job that you apply for. It takes you maybe 10 minutes tops. Okay. And you just have to simply change the words that you use. Now, if your job description title is different than the title of the company, here's a recommendation. Use the title that's in the system for you so that it's truthful. And then mm-hmm. do a, a, a slash and then use the job title if it's close enough or if it's the same thing use the job title that's in the job description that you're seeking so that you're truthful and honest about the job title you have, but companies don't necessarily use the same job titles, even though they're describing the same thing. Would that same logic apply, let's say, to a LinkedIn profile? Um, When I've applied for jobs on LinkedIn, there's an option to either submit your Word document resume or Uh use your LinkedIn profile. Sure. If I use my LinkedIn profile, then Am I being searched for the words that exist in my profile? Then I don't even know if you know or uh, I don't know. The- I don't know on LinkedIn for sure, but I do know that the LinkedIn, uh, the way they show the resumes is really ugly, and I do know that ugly translates into not getting a job sometimes. So I like to always have a formatted resume that you can submit it as a PDF, 
because it's the way a resume looks can get you up to 17% more money just in the formatting. They've done these great research projects and they put the same person side by side through one that's formatted crappy and one that looks really nice, 17% more money. So make sure that you have a PDF that is perfect, right? That you can submit even through LinkedIn. That's, that would be my recommendation. Imagining then the same with Indeed because I, now, now you got me really mad with myself and I appreciate that, but I have applied for a lot of jobs on Indeed using the Indeed resume. Uh-huh. And I didn't really know what the difference was, but now that you're saying this, I'm thinking I should be using the nice PDF that I have made of my resume that I made a one page and instead of the Indeed mm-hmm. auto-formatted resume. Well, I believe that Indeed, you could do both. I think Indeed lets you also attach the PDF and do it the other way. Uh, the advantage to the Indeed way is that it will parse the keywords. It's it's meant to easily translate into keywords. And then if you're still not getting an interview, it's because your keywords are wrong. But okay. But I do think that I would always have a PDF attached. And what I would do is once you apply for a job online through one of these systems, know that if you're getting something back immediately that says you're not qualified, it is probably because they ask you one of three or four questions. Yes, I've had this many years of experience. No, I haven't done this. They're all yes or no questions. And if you answer even one of them wrong, it kicks you to the deep six file. And so you don't want to lie. I I never tell people to lie. But if you are reasonably close, let's say it asks for five years of experience and you have four years of work experience, but you studied it in school, I would would be judicious in the way you look at your experience because the minute you answer the question wrong, nobody's going to see it. The challenge, too, with keywords, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be economical in my time and I'm trying to play the numbers game. I'm using the sales tactics of, okay, it might take me 100 applications to get one interview. Mm -hmm. It takes time. So I have my resume written where I've tried to have all the needed keywords in there, management, communications, marketing, whatever those keywords might be. But then when I'll I'll read a job description and if I have to spend another five, seven minutes redoing my resume just specifically for that job, that time starts to add up. So I'm very analytical and I'm trying to think about What's the most economical use of my time? Is it just apply for 100 jobs using this one resume, hoping something sticks? Or is it, okay, just picking just five and rewriting a brand new resume for every job and having that fewer number of opportunities? Bernie, prepare to hate me right now. You cannot just have a generic resume and go for volume. It doesn't work that way. I would rather, I've made my own children do this. You need to treat every single job like a homework assignment. And you need to match the keywords and you need to read into the job description what's important to that company, look on their website, and you need to adjust the bullet points that you've chosen to share with every job. Because one generic resume can make it to 100 places without one callback, but one specific resume can make it to one place and get you a callback. So you're just going to have to change your thinking. It's very time consuming. It is a homework assignment for every job. But here's a couple of key things to look at. Look at your resume, and it's not the keywords like management. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking if they have these keywords, operational efficiency, management experience, leadership, that somehow that's going to get them to job. And it, it doesn't because it's white noise to those of us that look at resumes all the time. 
And what I want you to do is look at every bullet point and say, am I sharing the job description that I did at this job or am I actually turning it into the outcome I got? Okay. So what I normally see is somebody says, uh, my job was to, uh, let's say, uh, put on events that bring more customer interaction. I'm making up stuff for your resume, but that's not nearly as powerful as saying I put on five events, which brought in 100,000 customers, which led to an increase of sales of 2%, 5%, mm-hmm. whatever. So you always need to look at each bullet point and say, to what end? I did this and it did what? And if you can't say it did what, it's probably a bad bullet point, or at least needs to be near the bottom. So reevaluate every bullet point to say, what did it accomplish? And then I think you've got something. And try and think, what were my greatest hits? What were the things I did that made the biggest difference and lead with those? So in that vein, if if I'm going to be more focused in the job hunting, my instincts would say, submit a resume on Tuesday. Thursday, if I don't hear anything back, find the HR person. Um, Through LinkedIn, I I can find anybody. I'm really good at that. But some people don't respond very well if I send them an email. Um, I frequently get the question of how did you get my email address? I hate to break it to people, but it's really easy to find company email addresses. It actually takes five seconds. So I don't want to upset people that I'm trying to get a job from. But me as the job seeker, I don't like sitting here twiddling my thumbs wondering, are you going to notice me? Hi, I'm here. And it's that tough debate of how do you proceed knowing that some people don't respond well when you pester them. I love that you're doing the work. That's great. Keep doing that. But here's, if somebody's responding back to you saying, how did you get my email? My guess is that your response to them was something like, I saw the job posting for the events planner and I wanted to give you my resume because I'm very interested in the job. Attaches my resume. I hope I'll hear from you soon. And if that's what you're saying, that's going to bug them. You need to change the way that you interact because you got one shot and the one shot has to say, I've done these three things that I think can help you with this position. If that's something that's a problem that you have that I could solve for you, would look forward to meeting with you as soon as possible. You know, you have to come at it from not this generic throw spaghetti against the wall, hope somebody bites on it. You really do have to know what is the problem this company's having or what are the what are the things that are happening in the background to likely need them to hire the job. And you can find out through press releases online. You can find out a lot through a company website, a lot about their culture and what's actually happening. And you can find out through Glassdoor. Go read, like the homework assignment. Every job's a homework assignment. Read Glassdoor reviews and what's happening. And then you can make a really meaningful introduction that is likely not to irritate somebody, but instead have them go, oh, I've been looking for that. Okay, I'm guilty. I'll admit it. Um, I'm guilty of sending the three sentences. I'm contacting you regarding the blah, blah, blah position. <laughs> and I love to talk. I, I have a unique personality. How I, in hearing you speak, how I would like to say, and I even have this on my LinkedIn profile, and it's a true story. I, I was a cook at Elliot Ness's funeral. Anybody who knows who Elliot Ness was will start to think, wait a minute, he was alive in the 1930s. I'm begging for somebody to actually ask me about that because I think it's an intriguing conversation starter. Um, And I have that on my LinkedIn profile and I have yet to have anybody that I have reached out to for employment ask me, hey, you were a cook at Elliot Ness's funeral? So I would like to, in an email response to said HR person, Mm -hmm. have more real personality and be who I am because 
if they're put off by who I am as a person, then I'm not going to be a fit for them anyways. I don't wear a suit and tie. I, I used to work in the radio industry. I'm used to talking with my hands and having personality and having spontaneity. You know, sometimes that might put people off, but I, I want to know that somebody is paying attention. So how do I go about adding the kind of personality in an email exchange with an HR person that is a close representation of who I am with, without being like too unprofessional, if you will? You should add personality because that's, that's very important to capture attention. The Elliot Ness one, the reason you're probably not getting responses is because it's not, doesn't appear to be relevant to the job. And so let me contrast it with a client who did something really creative. Client wanted to get a job as a car mechanic. And so he started his email to HR by saying, I have been rebuilding cars and motorcycles since I was 10 years old. And I pulled a scooter out of the garbage can and started to repair it after hours. So he gave an indication of passion for the job, and he helped create enough interest that they wanted to read more. So if you can find the thing that you do well related to the jobs you're seeking, maybe it's that you're somebody that is always learning and acquiring knowledge, and you ask questions. So it could be something generic like that. Maybe it is... Um, one that I've used in the past is that I fly fish all over the world. And the reason I do is because I love learning and growing. And that translates into what I do at work and how I approach work. So consider finding something interesting that you can weave to work. And if it has a direct correlation, even better, because that will draw the reader in. Just like you're writing a book, right? An email, you've got to have an interesting tagline that will bring them further into the story about why you're qualified for the job, but it always has to lead to why you're qualified for the job. Not interest for interest's sake. All right, so Bernie, let's recap what we've learned here about all things applicant tracking system and how you actually get seen. Number one, treat every job like a homework assignment and make sure that you've done your research to make sure you're addressing in your resume Bullet point first, the things that the company cares about and the outcomes that you got. Number two, make sure that you have used a word cloud generator to use the right keywords on your resume so it can pass through and be ranked as a resume to look at. Number three, those key questions that they ask you at the beginning, if you say no to one of them, no, you're not going to be seen. So be honest, but judicial in the way that you answer those questions. And I think that if you do those things and then you pay really close attention to customizing your resume for every job that you apply for, which sounds very time consuming and is, you'll find that instead of getting one response to a hundred, you should be starting to get responses much more frequently. Maybe it's one out of every five are going to be interested in you because you're speaking their language on your resume. That will get you through. I appreciate it. I've got a list of notes here and I'll uh, be getting to work and implementing this right away. Thank you. And thank you so much for your call, Bernie. It's a pleasure to get to know you. Thanks, Tess. I appreciate your your advice. Thanks so much. All right. We'll see you. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay, Promotions, and Power at Work. I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's career stayed stagnant. 
So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.